Welcome to Oakham Bros. This is Eric. And I am Michael. We have Bill Faith in the house. Limo, Sage, Limo Coach. Uh, limo, the Anthony Robbins of the limo industry, which is really <laughs> exciting to hear because like, I'm a big Anthony Robbins guy. Eric's a big Gary Vaynerchuk guy. And we now have like the Anthony Robbins, Gary Vaynerchuk of the limo world on our podcast. And we're, we're thrilled to have you here, Bill. So our, like, so generally the limousine industry is not one to be like all, you know, full of gusto and gung ho and this and that. How, like, what's your story with wanting to be this person in our industry? And I love the fact that you're doing this because, you know, when you talk to other limo nobody, guys, nobody else is. Yeah. No one else is. No one has, no one has like that passion um, in our industry, which is fine. We're not bad mouthing anyone. How did you decide to be like, this is my calling? Um, well, as we were discussing a mutual friend, Doug Schwartz, before we got started, I, I sold my company um, and then I had a three-year earnout after the sale. And about 16 months in, um, I got fired. I, it took me three months to get myself fired because I'd already hit my earnout numbers. And I, if I quit, it would have cost me money in real estate. So the first person I called when I left the industry, it was Doug Schwartz, who was my best friend in the big industry. Shout out. And he, big shout out to Doug. We love, love, love Dougie. I mean, he's like the, the the human teddy bear. The guy will give you a hug and a big smile anytime that you see him. 100%. And I said, Doug, I'm out. And I'll never remember. It was April 19th of 2012. And he's like, what do you mean? I said, I'm done at Grand Avenue. I got fired this morning. I got all my earnouts done. I'm free. And I just what felt city, like the way what city were you what city was this in? Was uh, in then? Nashville, Tennessee. So I Nashville. started Silver Oak uh, Limousine here in Nashville in May of 2006. Uh, sold it to Grand Avenue on December 31st of 2010, and then I exited on April 19th of um, 2013 and or 2012, excuse me. And I called Doug, and, and he said he told me one thing. He's all he's like, I know you tend to get excited. And I have that personality to just kind of always be amped up a little bit like Tony, a little bit like Gary. And that might be the kindest thing that anybody's ever compared me to, to be honest with you. Um, and he said, Bill, once you're in this business, you're never going to get out. 100%. Very true. And, yes. and I immediately, and I said, well, it's funny that you say that Doug, because I'm starting a marketing agency and I'd laid the groundwork to start inbound marketing agents. Um, and on April 20th, the day after I left Grand Avenue, I was at a local Google conference, just a small thing here in Nashville. And I got a text message um, from Joey Phelps at Empire CLS, uh, who I had just started an affiliate relationship with like nine months previously. And I'd never met David Seelinger. And he just said, hey, David wants to talk to you. Here's his number. Can you call him? And I replied, no, apologize in a conference. And he replied back, David wants to talk to you. I'm like, I get it, but I'll call him after five o'clock. And I called David and literally the next day, the 21st of April, I fly up to Secaucus, fly into LGA, go down to Secaucus and they became my first marketing uh, client. Very and I've been very fortunate to work with a lot of large companies, but that really wasn't my mission. And I think something that was instilled in me by two people, Reginald Booth, who was my business partner in my glow golf business, which is glow in the dark miniature golf courses and shopping malls. Um, and George Jacobs in this industry. Sure. George was gracious enough to legit, literally take me under his wing, let me come up to Chicago and learn how to dispatch and do all these different types of things because we had a commonality. And I got into the industry and what I call an entrepreneurial seizure, to quote Michael Gerber from the E-Myth, 
Um, I was a business traveler, just like all of you guys service. And I got bad service when I was trying to open a glow golf in Auburn Hills, Michigan. And I missed a zoning meeting. And one of my good friends from Memphis had bought seven locations from us. And it cost him $18,000 in rent because the car didn't pick me up and I missed a 6.55 a.m. flight. And it's like the only flight I've ever missed on my Accord. So long story short, I came back after I ended up catching a later flight, couldn't get the permit. Then I had to eat the 18 grand in rent that I cost him by missing the flight, missing the zoning meeting. And by the following Monday, I'd started Silver Oak Transportation. I bought a phone number from a friend of mine, 615, you know, limo 5466. Right. I had my head pro at my country club's wife, who was a graphic designer at a healthcare company, build me a shitty three-page website. Um, I was up and running. There was no regulation, no barrier to entry, you know, nothing. And I literally found John Rocker at ILS, if you guys remember him back in the day, International Limousine Services, used uh, car, used limos down in Dallas. And right. my good friend, Four Houses Down, Neil Orne, who was the ABC Morning News anchor, who was a car guy, I said, dude, I know nothing about cars. I know how to build, scale, and market and sell businesses. You handle the cars. I'll do this. Go to the bank at $25,000 cash. I'll get $25,000 cash. And we started the business, flew down there and bought a 1999 fifth door 120 crystal. And we were literally in business in about five days. Mm -hmm. um, and my a good friend of mine was flying to Chicago on the 5th of July. And I played golf with him in, in the club's fourth. If anybody plays golf, you have the, you know, the 4th of July golf tournament. Sure. And he owned a company called Plain Text in Chicago, which was a very large company. And he said, Bill, I need a limo since you're the limo guy now to get me from the airport to my office in Oak Brook. Awesome. Punk. We called him Pumpkinhead. He had the world's largest head. I said, I'll take care of you. I got this, buddy. And it's the 4th of July. And I go through and I'm looking at the phone book or excuse me, a limo digest. And I see Windy City Limousine in Chicago. And I call hey, this is, uh, my name's Bill. I'm, I'm calling from Nashville. I need to book a ride for a client. And they, George happened to be working. So literally they transferred me to George and it was like, hi, George, this is Billy from Nashville, Tennessee down here. I, I need a limo to take a friend of mine to his office tomorrow. Can you help me out? <laughs> Had no idea. And he's all, what do you do? And I'm looking through Limo Digest again. Oh, I'm the national affiliate manager for Silver Oak Limousine. And he could see right through that. He, I had no clue what I was doing. So to shorten a long story, he helped me walk through. I need, you know, all the stuff that we need. What's the passenger's name? What airport? What airline? Flight numbers? Blah, 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 blah. And I had to go back to Jerry and get all that information. When I called George back, he's all, tell me your story. And I said, hey, I just started this like two months ago. I know I don't know what I'm doing. I appreciate your help. This is a really good friend of mine. Well, what did you do before this? I've done a lot of stuff. I was an entrepreneur. I played professional golf. Where are you from? Because you don't sound like you're from Nashville. And I said, I'm from Bakersfield, California. No and he said, really? And he said, do you happen to know a bridge player out there? I said, I do know a couple of bridge players. His name's Dr. Wafiq Abdu. And he was a radiologist. So I just happened to teach Dr. Wafiq Abdu how to play golf. Okay. George and Wafiq won the European like six person bridge world championships together. And they were coming to Nashville in three weeks. So that's when I, because of that mutual relationship, I had, I met George at the airport. I did a personal meet and greet, put him in a limo because I didn't own a sedan or an SUV, drove him uh, to the airport. And I rode in the back with him because all I wanted to do was meet this guy because between the time that I first spoke to him on the phone and the time he came, I found out he was like the godfather of our industry or one of them, right? So I saw that opportunity and instead of just sending a chauffeur, 
you know, to meet him, which was probably completely unqualified even at that time to do an airport transfer. We didn't have permits. We didn't, I didn't know about any of that type of stuff yet. So I met him and I rode with him and then ended up going to dinner with him and Wafik. And that's what started our relationship. And he allowed me to fly up there every month to learn how to dispatch, to learn Hudson software, to learn the affiliate game, all that type of stuff from one of the fastest growing companies in the history of our industry. And without that, one, I don't think I would have had the passion, uh, as you talked about, Michael, for, for me to want to continue to give back because I grew a pretty decent sized company really quickly. And even though I have the, the ability to scale and I've done it many, many times, this hands down was the hardest business that I've ever been in. So why did you leave being an operator? Well, I grew up with no father. My parents got divorced when I was five years old and my father just electively didn't want to participate in my life until my senior year in high school when I was playing with Tiger Woods and or Eldrick Woods at that time and the, and the champion was all over the news and he just made the cut as a 16 year old at the LA Open and he showed up. And I said, I don't want to have anything to do with you. If you didn't give a shit about me for the last 15 years of my life, you don't get to have this moment with me today. And I kind of look at that when I was growing my business and I had two others at the time, I typically have three or four businesses going on at one time. And I started Silver Oak on, on May 25th of 2006. And my daughter, my oldest daughter, who's now 14, was born on November 21st of 2005. And I didn't know what I was getting into because of that entrepreneurial seizure. I didn't know how heavy it was. I had I took a restaurant from one to six locations in 18 months. And people think the restaurant business is like the most time consuming and the hardest business in the world. That's because a little secret, they have no clue how hard this business in that you guys are still in today. It's the hardest one out of the 26 I've ever done that I've been in. And I was missing for the first four years, I mean, really three and a half, four, four years, I was missing my, my daughter. I, I wasn't there when she was two or learned how to walk. I was in the office. I was working. I was right. dispatching. I was just trying to reinvest to grow. And then I, I put in probably double time as we really escalated in eight, nine and 10 when the recession hit is when we grew the fastest. And because everybody just stopped. Right. And I just keep going, going, going. And then it took my wife just literally having a casual conversation over dinner one night, I'll never forget, right above me um, at our dining room table. And she said, you're turning into your father. And I said, what do you mean? I said, I'm providing for our family. But she said, you're not here. And when you are here, just like a lot of people, you're doing this, you're checking you know, your software and you're, you're dealing with customers and concierges and all that type of stuff. And I broke down and started crying. And I said, I don't want to be that father. Right. And that was probably about three months before the LCT combined with BusCon in Chicago. I don't know if you guys remember that show or not. It was the only time they did that. Mm -hmm. And it was at Navy Pier. And it was in September. And I took my wife with me and I said, let's find somebody here. It was the only time she, she only went to two events. And that was the first one in the limo industry. And I met the people at Grand Avenue who had just started their company. They were about four or five months old. And I did the research on the owner, Carl Haley, who had sold, uh, it was a, one of three partners in a healthcare company, um, AIM Healthcare, that sold for $765 million about two years previously. And he'd started a limousine company. So I targeted him, just like I target in advertising and marketing and, and sales. And we went and we had lunch when we got back. And that was on, I think it was November 8th, the day after the CMA Festival, our busiest day of the year in Nashville, or the CMA Awards, excuse me. And we walked out of having sushi for lunch and he's, I really appreciate, I appreciate you sharing your knowledge with me and hopefully 
you know, I said, well, what's your goal, uh, Carl? And he's all, hopefully a big guy like you will buy me someday. And I said, well, Carl, you're the big guy. I don't have $700 million. I was hoping you would buy me. And he asked why. And I said, because honestly, I'm tired and it's a tough business and I want to spend more time with my family. And we closed literally about 45, 50 days later. Um, so for me, that was that, that breakfast up above me right here was something that changed my life forever. And that's why I do what I do now. Um, because I think a lot of us as entrepreneurs get caught up and we think that we're doing the right thing for our family, but we're really sacrificing our time with them and being a family, being a father to benefit our business. And that's something that I told my wife, I'll never do again, um, you know, moving forward. And at that time I had a run rate of starting about four companies every seven to 10 years. Um, and I've done three cents, but I've slowed way down and I've made sure that the structure and the type of companies that I start are something that I can do from a laptop, something I can do from home to, I don't have to put in 15 hour days, seven days a week with no vacation. So what do you, so what do you do now? Clarify for the audience what you do, because like, I believe that being a coach, like there's a mysticism to it because you're the brand. And I feel like that's a very hard thing to do. Michael and I are trying to do it on a different aspect where we're not necessarily selling anything. We're just creating brand mm -hmm. and you know, long-term value, long-term brand in the marketplace, whether it's a vendor employee or a client. Um, yep. I always have so much respect for guys like you that pick a niche and they can take what somebody like a Gary Vee does or somebody like a Tony Robbins does and then zero in on a uh, an industry and own it and right. and you're and you're owning the sales and sales and marketing and business coaching for limo operators so explain what it is exactly that you're doing now yeah so that kind of happened organically eric is so i started inbound marketing agents it was we were a two and we grew it to a two and a half million dollar marketing agency um, if you're familiar with HubSpot, we were the first platinum HubSpot agency. I was so engrossed in the HubSpot culture. And I used HubSpot to grow Silver Oak and, um, and, and Grand Avenue. But what happened was, is it became more than marketing. You know, it was, hey, Bill, well, what, how do I know when to add another sedan to my fleet? Or can you help me? I, I've heard you talk a little bit about, you know, profit and losses and balance sheets. And I don't understand anything about that. Do you think you could help me or do you have a template to share? all those things. And, and I just would say yes and yes and yes. And what I found is it was the one-on-one -on -one interaction was getting very heavy for me. And I was kind of falling back into what I was doing before getting out of the industry and in my time commitment. I wasn't protecting my time. And then that's where I sat down with my team. And I saw a lot of people that were doing what I do today, uh, obviously not in our space, whether it's a Michael Hyatt, who's a former CEO of Thomas Nelson Publishing, um, you know, even Gary Vanderchuk has some membership programs and it kind of took off into building a course. So I launched Limo University um, at the show, the CD show, the chauffeur driven show in 2015 in Miami with three courses, Limo Sales 101, um, how to close customers over the phone, because I think that is a weak point in our industry and everybody and the adage is just make my phone ring. That's what they say to every marketer in the 100%. world. They don't know how to sell. 100%. And then it was Limo Sales 101, how to close customers over the phone and how to get started with Facebook ads. Three courses, $525 each. That's what we started with. And I thought that would curb all of the, the calls and that type of stuff. Well, what happened is it, it, it just exacerbated it. More stuff started coming in. So literally before we went to Vegas the following year, within about four months, we created a membership program 
which we call lab. So I've been fortunate to work with a lot of small and large companies on that marketing side, like literally over 400 clients. Um, we built over 300 websites, more data online than probably anybody has ever had um, in our industry. And everything that I started producing for lab had been tested, whether it was through Empire CLS or ZBest or any of the clients that we worked with. So we called it lab and we would test things on our clients. And if it worked, whether it's an email script, whether it's a sales approach, the golden sales question, you know, the formula on how to calculate your operational cost by vehicle, you know, all these things we would test and we put it into the membership program. So we called it lab. So basically, to really answer your, your question, Eric, I have two programs. One is lab and one is our LabX program. And lab is our premium program that we actually build marketing campaigns for you. We build sales decks for you. It's kind of like, think about Netflix. You open up Netflix and you've got training over here, workshops every month, action plans. I coach every week in that program, do it yesterday at 2 p.m. Eastern. They get me and my team live to answer all the questions. But you also have your sales and marketing stuff that what we call swipe copy, like what we built, or I should, no, shouldn't say built, but assisted with, with the National Limousine Association. We give you scripts, we give you videos, we give you creative sales funnels, emails, all that type of stuff. And you just pick what you want and you can go and implement it. So that's helped me scale back my time. But even to this day, I spend 50 to 70% of every day helping operators for free that either haven't made a decision. That's what I wanted to get program, to. Yep. Can't afford the program. Um, and, you know, to be honest with you, probably 95% of our people on March 15th or March 16th, we moved to free or gave them the option to go to free. Doesn't matter if they're paying 85 a month, 125, 385. Um, and we're continuing that for uh, through September. So for me, it kind of goes back to the George Jacobs, the Reg Booth, my business partner that I talked about in Glow Golf, but also the, the mentality that was instilled by me through learning inbound marketing by being ingrained in the inner culture of HubSpot. Um, and anybody that's familiar with HubSpot, I was customer 137. And I was there when they had like 40 employees, you know, and they've got thousands in multiple countries today. And I would go to Boston every couple of weeks. And the one thing I learned about inbound and also one of my biggest sales trainer, John Boynes, is you have to give to get. And the whole purpose of inbound marketing is that you create great content, just like you guys are doing on your podcast and you're there to serve. And I mean, really serve with empathy. And if you do a great job, you know what? The buyers are going to make a decision on their own to buy. 100%. 100%. I didn't have that mentality because nobody ever taught me that before in, in my previous businesses. And that's something that fundamentally- So where did, you, where did you learn that from? Where did you learn to, to give value so you can get it in around, so you can grow your business in a roundabout way. I just like, want to mention before you continue, I've been I've been kind of quiet because you you, you know this is your platform, Bill. But I got to tell you, uh, the science of getting rich by Wallace D. Waddles. That's my Bible. That book says you got to give more in use value than you take from people. Hundred percent. And and you already know. Did you have you read this book? It's based on. I have not. The science oh. of okay, okay, Bill, the, unbelievable the, book. The science of getting rich. I, the science of getting rich. It was it was written in 1910 by Wallace D. Waddles. It was the basis on the movie The Secret, which I'm sure you've heard of. Have you yep. heard of The Secret? And read The Power of Your Subconscious Mind by Joseph Murphy, written about 1950, 1955, 1960 maybe. Um, also, like mind bending stuff that will be up your alley, like yeah. right in your wheelhouse of how you're giving people 
free value like this podcast. Like you don't need to subscribe uh, and pay money to listen to Eric and I. We want to help people help themselves. Um, and it's just, you know, we're not the idea of money. It just, it will come right. Money, money is, it's just a physical form that you attract to yourself. That's all it is. So I will, I will tell you, Michael, that since I adopted this methodology, which I learned from HubSpot, you know, that's the whole thing. Stop the outbound marketing. Don't disrupt me listening to the radio in the car with a commercial, right? Don't disrupt my, us watching, you know, the giants and the jets play with a commercial. That's disruptive marketing. That's outbound marketing. Or you the know, Titans. Let's create content that or the I Titans. can opt in. No. What's that? I said, or the Titans, Nashville. I yeah. could care less about the Titans. Now, if you want to talk yeah. hockey, we'll talk Rangers and, and Preds. Yeah. I'm a hockey guy. All right. All right. Good. All right fair I remember, I'm a born again redneck. I've only been a redneck for like 17 <laughs> years. I'm originally from Southern California. I forgot. Bakersfield. We've driven through Bakersfield 5 billion times because we would go to the West Coast every summer when our parents were building the business mm-hmm. and we would get in the car on Thursday mornings or Friday mornings and we would drive to Vegas. My mom, my dad, Eric and me every single weekend. So we it's, drove- uh, it's a great place to be from. I'm yeah. very... Very proud that I grew up there, but it is Southern California and even Central California is not a place I wanted to raise kids. That's why I moved to the buckle of the Bible Belt. Um, So I, and I know we're not going to talk anything about numbers and money, but I'll tell you that kind of. You can. Oh, hold on. If you're comfortable with it. If you're comfortable, I I don't want to reveal. I'm an open book, man. I talk about how close I've been to filing bankruptcy in in my past and all my failures, but I don't believe a good coach. If that's part of your story, go for it. It is. I, so one thing that I hate about coaches and brands is the ones that only focus on the positive stuff. And so I'm, and, and I discussed this, I, I have a really newfound relationship with Robert Alexander. Him and I really didn't have that big of a relationship, best, um, you know, until love, probably about a year and a half ago. Big shout out to Robert. We love him. He's Robert. great. And he's doing an unbelievable job with the NLA. And, you know, he's yep. very quiet. And he does, he's not on social a lot and he's very private. And I'm like the antithesis to that. I mean, I, everything right. I do is public right? and that's my choice. So I'm, I'm fine with the failures. I'm fine with the positivity, but I don't like the people that are in my space that show the Lambos and the big houses and that's, all that it, stuff. It, and it's just all, all positivity. That's, that's fake. That, that is 100%. That's Most not of those real. People, they rent those, by the way. They go yeah. out to the Hamptons and rent a house. And, yeah, that's not reality. That's exactly. not reality. You know, like the Lambos, the Rolexes, it's fun. It's nice, but that's not reality. Apple I got watch. an Apple watch. <laughs> uh, I wear a camo hat and uh, not, I drive a Ford F-150 for everybody, just so you know. Well, we, yeah, we drive uh, Chevy Suburbans. It just please, you know, people have to grow up. I, can I flip the, the script for a second? Do you guys actually own cars or do you drive like company suburban? So like I didn't own a car when I owned my limousine company. I would just drive. Sometimes I drive a Sprinter home. We own the cars. We own I mean, you home. own personal vehicles. Own you personal vehicles. Yeah. 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 Our wives' cars are, you know, I bought that with, with my hard-earned money yeah. and our cars also, it's under our insurance. You know, we don't, we're very careful. We're very uh, careful with what we, how, how we run our business because it it is a family business. And at some point, I think a lot of businesses make mistakes where they write off too much. And I feel like if you have a family business and you're going to be, if I have a family to support, my brother has a family to support, we would much rather just take it in salary than in write-offs because what's going to happen when our kids come and and, it's called eating the shelves. And my mom used to say, you're going to eat the shelves. And we had we have two uncles who owned a hardware store. It was our grandparents' hardware store, and it was in Queens. And they literally ate the shelves. And they and learned. 
they and, they, from, and they, they lost their business. The, the hardware store went out of business and our uncle Kevin came to work with us. He's our CFO. And our uncle Stuart um, is now one of the largest um, roadside. Roadside, roadside companies in the Northeast. So, you know, they learn from their mistakes. And listen, in the beginning, you're like, oh, I could write off this dinner. I could write off that lunch. I could write off this. No, nope. can't do it. Think about the ones that ate their shelves and didn't have the revenue versus cogs exactly gap, and they had contractors versus. Employees. I look at There's it a as, discipline. There's a discipline to running your own and service to own, and, to, and to owning your own and business. Your, right. I look at it like we work for GE, and Michael yep. and I, Michael and I, are employees of BLS, and. That's where it stops. You know, like obviously, if we're taking out clients for dinner, yes, yeah, of course, taking, that's that's business. We're taking out right. clients for dinner. We're flying to LA. Um, the 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 that's business. However, if our wife and kids are flying, we pay for that. Right. We don't put we don't put it on the business because our wives and kids were go, are going to Vegas with us. Eric and I pay for that person. We're we're in the we're in this for the long run, and and if you have to worry about, you know, a two thousand dollars ticket, like please, you know, like yeah. a. That's no. actually something that I hope people listen to your guys's experience and they understand what we're going through right now. To my point, if you had independent contractors and you 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 ate your shells, as you guys say, that you probably didn't qualify for EIDL help. You probably didn't qualify for PPP help. You probably didn't have any retained earnings in your company. I can pull a book off my shelf back here called Profit First. I believe in paying your company first yep. on your retained earnings 100%. until you get to your six, nine, 12 months um, of retained earnings. And, you know, I think a lot of people see, um, I'll go back to Dougie real quick. Cause you guys know, Dougie, you know, he just bought a trailer, um, you know, and he caught a lot of flack on social media because he bought a trailer and a lot of people accused him of using EIDL money. Um, well, I know Dougie very well. He's pretty prudent in how he saves, even though he loves going to the casino or used to once in a while. Um, and, you know, people give me a lot of flack too, because of my other business. So I'm not just in the, in the, the limo, as Scott Sombrino would call me, the limo consultant or the selling information um, as a coach or a consultant, I'm in the real estate business. I've got a pretty large portfolio of you know short-term rental properties around the country, and I'm buying another one now uh, because just short-term rental, I believe, and, and you guys own depreciating assets, you know, meaning your vehicles. I invest in to appreciating assets, and if I can generate rental income that pays for my house. And I can cash flow that, and I can get an appreciation of three, five, seven percent annualized. It ties into my life plan, mm -hmm. and I think that there's a lot of lessons that hopefully, um, with gentlemen like you that are sharing how you run your business, that other small business owners on LinkedIn, which I think is your your main distribution channel, and it's not just limo people, it's not just hospitality people that are seeing this, that they will learn those prudent business practices that you probably learned from your mother and father. The single greatest, the single, one of the, our, our cornerstones of how we run our businesses are every, every location that we open up and we strive to buy, buy the building that we're operating out of. And that has gotten us through every single recession. It's getting us through this pandemic. Yeah, it's getting it's us getting, through now. You know, it, it, it gets you through every step of the way. And, um, those buildings have been our single greatest investment that we have made to to have longevity in our. And that business. was that was our parents, right? Our yeah. mom and dad. That was dad, their philosophy. That was their philosophy. Let's buy the building that we're in. So we own two buildings in New York. We own the building in L.A. We own the building in Las Vegas, and uh, we're you know we were in the process of purchasing something in Atlanta. It will happen, but those buildings have. I mean, right now we had to remortgage our L.A. building. 
right. because because we had to yep. because yep. There, there there's no business now and we are definitely inching north right we're definitely inching in the right direction but it's still inching it's, it's not it's, it's not one, a tsunami it's one ride at a time it's right. one ride at a time you know right that's exactly right can i ask you guys a question sure depends you guys have been pretty quiet and under the radar you know at yeah. least when i was an operator and in the industry right yeah why the podcast now because you guys are crushing it, doing a great job. By the way, thank you. Uh, it's, a, it's a great story. Um, yeah, go ahead, Eric. You know, knock, our knock father, was, our father was a very private person, and he liked owning a a private executive celebrity corporate car service, being under the radar, only getting business by referral, and kind of being the guy that no one knows about, but everyone knows that you run an amazing business. And it got us to to here, right? But we got wanted it, to go. But, to gear, right, but right. we want. But we wanted to go there. Now, my dad built an amazing business. Everything that we have today. Our father is because, came to this country penniless. He came to this yeah. country with nothing in his pocket, and right. he met our mom. And they built. And I'm going to fast forward 50 years later. They built an incredible company that Eric and I grew up in. You know, we we worked little various jobs here. Eric caddied. I worked at Starbucks for a few weeks. Like it was. But like ultimately, we know we knew we were going to be in our parents' transportation business right. because we loved it. Every day was something new. It was always a new story so every day. Go dad ahead, kept, yeah, so dad kept it very private. My father passed away February of 2018. And, um, you know, the three of us, we sat down and we're like, okay, we have we one shot. We, we, have, we, have, we have one shot at this. What do we want to do? Do we want to stay the course, which is fine. And or we could have. Or, or, yeah. or do we want to become the biggest, best limousine service in the world? Yeah, that was basically the conversation my mom, Eric, and I had. And we're like, and, okay, we're, and then we said, let's do it. And we took everything that Anthony Robbins taught me. I went to Anthony Robbins' program in 2002, September 2002. Eric was a student of, is a student of Gary Vaynerchuk. And we said, this is our chance. And what we started doing is Eric started putting out little, you know, little, uh, I started, you know, I started, I started on LinkedIn posting, we hired, we hired a sales guy two years ago. It was, and that was our first salesperson. I might add everything else was done history in in the 50 years. We've never had salespeople. So we hired a, we hired our first salesperson and I asked him a question. I'm like, what do you think about LinkedIn? He's like, everybody's on there. I never had, I didn't even have a LinkedIn account. Right. That day I signed up and I started ruminating. I started ruminating. I'm like, what can I, how do, how do you sell B2B? It was like, it was like a, how do you do this? Like, how do you, how can you, I, I always thought that online was B2C, right? right? How do you sell B2B online? And then I found Gary V and then just started, you know, producing little pieces of content, taking a picture of a car, taking a selfie, writing out a text post. And then finally, I sat down in front of a, I bought a Canon camera, you know, so it was like a nice warm glow on yourself and everything like that. And I sat down in front of the camera. Michael was recording me because Michael has a writing career. So the the idea was that Michael was going to be the writer and I was going to be the face of BLS. Face. Right. And I sat down and I, I couldn't monologue. I couldn't do what I'm doing right now. Right. And then Michael sat down next to me and he's like, let's talk. Let's talk like you and I are, are sharing a bedroom like we did in 1992. We and, shared a bedroom, Eric and I, for fourteen years. We and that's and that's what we did. And we, and and we sat down and we just started talking to each other. And that's how Oakham Bros was born. And then I said to Eric, I said we should do we should turn Dad's office, which is you know, it's it's a big office. I said let's turn it into a studio. And Eric said that's a great idea. Let's create Oakham Bros because 
there's no one in the industry doing what we're doing. And not to say that we're doing better than anyone, but we feel that an industry needs a voice, right? Industry needs um, reinvention. And that's what this podcast is about. It's about reinventing yourself. It's about taking, you know, shedding, shedding the old and starting new. And a lot of operators don't do that. A lot of operators are still, still stuck in the nineties. Now, a lot of them are stuck pre COVID by not implementing COVID measures or whatever, whatever the thing that they have to be into implementing. But reinvention is, is, is everything that you have to reinvent yourself. You look at you, you're, you're like the definition of reinvention. You started with glow golf, which by the way, I would like to mention Eric and I are avid golfers and I do beat him continu continuously. I think just, Bill, we need to have Bill up in thing. New York. We need to have yeah. Bill up in New York Bill to show us a thing or two. Bill, yeah. uh, Bill and I will teach you how to play, Eric. Oh, thank you, Not Michael. Hard. I, I don't I play to... anymore. I haven't played. I, so I used to sit on the board of next gen golf and I committed the company was acquired by the PGA. And so we disbanded the board and I committed to the CEO that I'd play five times this year and I've got zero rounds in. I've only played twice in I think four years. Oh man. I got to tell you when you're playing golf that we should, there should be a segment on this. And if you want to jump into it real quick, but the idea of golf, when you're on a golf course, you're not thinking about the screaming client. You're not thinking about, um, Oh God, did I make this call? You're thinking about it's, it's a mental game. Yeah. And getting that ball in the hole. It's just, it's incredible. I, Eric and I, we haven't played much this year because of COVID. So you um, were a pro golf, you were a pro golfer, right? I was. Yeah. It's amazing. Er Eric, you have to get the most points in golf. Is okay. that how it works? That's how you have to hit the ball the most. So time I, I need to, I need to get like 140 or 150 points per right? hole. Right. Right. Per right. Hole. Right. 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 <laughs> That's generally what you do. So like you're, you're winning the game. So I do golf. have to practice because. I, I will come up there. So where did you caddy, Eric? I caddied at Woodcrest Country Club. Uh, uh, it's like walking distance from my house and from where I grew up. And um, awesome. yeah, I caddied for like three or four summers. And good it money. was great. Yeah, yeah it was. It was it, I was making I was making 120 bucks a day caddying. That is that is that's good money. So yeah. one of my favorite courses of all time, probably top five is Wingfoot uh, East and West. I love I love the East better than the West. Sure. Um, I used to come up every year when I was in, I got my amateur status back and we would play in the, uh, the Anderson, which is their, their member guest or member really, it's kind of a guest guest, but they call it a member guest up there. Okay. Um, there's nothing better in my opinion, growing up in California, played pebble hundreds of times. Guy I went to high school with was the director of golf there, love desert golf, but there's nothing better than Northeast golf. I mean, it's, it's incredible. It's, it's the magical. Feeling, the, the, tree, the, the trees, the tall trees and just the breeze. Yeah, it's, it's the it's best amazing. feeling when you're flying into New York. It doesn't, you know, we've flown into Westchester. We've flown into JFK, LaGuardia. When you're passing over Long Island, New Jersey, Connecticut, Westchester, and all you see is golf courses and big houses and golf courses yep. and big houses, there's a feeling of like, ah, I'm home. You know? I, I agree. I mean, so at the the cd show in boston um jeff brodsley kindly from chosen payments bought robert alexander dawson rudder and myself because we were bidding against him a foursome at pine valley so i think i played almost every great golf course in the country um in my career great. except for pine valley so we were hoping to do it this fall i don't know if that's gonna happen i just said i need like at least 20 to 30 days notice so i can practice and hit some balls i hope uh, so. before we go out but i have, I have, a, I have a question yeah we we had a booth at the CD show in February, and mm -hmm. obviously you had you know your you had a spectacle going on at your booth. 
And you were, you, I wasn't there. Yeah. Mike, Michael wasn't there. He was suffering from vertigo. Um, but you should have stopped by and bought the juicer that I was trying to sell with my microphone. I'm just kidding. So that's what I wanted to get to you. you Michael, he was literally there and he was holding key. He was holding keynotes. He was there and he was talking and he was coaching his, his clients and he had standing. He had people sitting, he had people standing and they it's were fantastic. sitting and watching him. It's fantastic. So public speaking, you know, that's something that Michael and I, I know that Michael and I are going to be doing it at some point. I know that this podcast is going to lead to that. Did you know, how did you get into public speaking? How did you, did you train yourself or was it, did it just come natural to you? How did you, um, how did you, how did you start doing that? Um, did you always have this type of personality? Because I, I got to tell you're you, very, I, you're very commanding. Yeah. You're very commanding. Your, your energy's incredible. I always, we always joked. I was the intro. I was the extrovert. Eric was the introvert. I was right. the David, David Lee Roth of BLS and Eric was the Eddie Van Halen. Eric was the brains behind the whole operation, making the music. And I was the one up front singing and dancing and doing the whole show tune. But that came naturally to me my entire life. I was, right. in, I was in, um, you know, uh, school plays and everything. So I like being in front of people. I, that's 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 right. comforting for me where eric was never like that have you always been that personality of wanting to be up front up front on the stage absolutely not um, oh my I'm god actually pretty reserved and i get nervous in situations you got to understand i'm in my zone i'm in my comfort level here in the limousine industry i mean i i wasn't a you know a top 50 or 100 brand as an operator but I mean, once I started, once I became a vendor and started IMA and I had clients like Empire CLS and Boston Coach, and it kind of just elevated me. And then I was speaking at every single event, didn't miss an LCT, Limo Digest, Chauffeur Driven, you know, speaking, it just kind of, like you said, it, it comes with that territory. Um, and I spoke as an operator. The first one I spoke at was 2007 at the Vegas show at LCT. And I had 31 people in that room. There was nobody there. So I was talking about social media and believe it or not, I'll never forget MySpace was part of the, the topic back wow. then. Right. Um, but no, I, I didn't. And, and I think it's, it's my real personality, but it's different here than when I go to a Tony Robbins event. If I go to business mastery, or if I go to an influencer event with Brendan Burchard, where I'm not the man, if you will, and I'm using my air quotes here, I'm probably and I don't mean this egotistically, a top 10, top five brand in our industry. 100%. And it's hard for me to walk around the show like it's going to be for you guys now, right? And as opposed to when you were more private and pre-podcast, and you think about David Seelinger, Tammy Sokocha, or George, and you see them walking around shows, now it's becoming harder and harder for me. So I kind of was thrust into it here, but I'm not as comfortable. So I do speaking engagements and, you know, I, I speak a lot. I used to speak a lot actually outside of the industry. And I get nervous when I go and do that. I have my billface.com brand right now that I'm literally in the midst of, I launched it on May 1st, but we're, we're taking it to the next level literally this morning as I'm doing this podcast with you that's guys. Awesome. And I don't do near as much content. And that's, what's going to pay for my house and my kids right now. Cause the limo people aren't paying me anything. Well, Right. Those of you that still are paying me because you elected not to take me up on my, my free thing because of the value I provide, thank you. I will be eternally grateful for that. My kids will. But I've got to make money on the BillFaith.com brand. I got and so, But I don't create as much content there because I'm not as comfortable. I go back to where I'm comfortable, just like everybody else, into the limo space. I do more limo university stuff, and I shouldn't be right now. 
I should be doing everything because I'm making a huge financial investment into BillFaith.com. So I'm just like everybody else, right? But I think the commanding performance comes from doing this for 12 years in this industry and having enough confidence to where it doesn't need to be perfect. I'm notorious for letting F-bombs slip out just in the language that I use and I try to curb it. But then part of me thinks, you know what, that's that's my real personality. If the three of us are playing golf, every other word, and it's not when I'm angry, if we're having a beer or two afterwards, F this, F that, whatever. So it's just, I want to be me and I want to be real. Mm -hmm. But the reality is, is when I get out of my comfort zone, just like anybody else, if I go to my first MPI meeting or a GBTA conference or whatever, I'm the same guy that's walking around trying to find Eric or Michael that I can hook up with because I don't want to be by myself because I'm uncomfortable. And those are things that I, those are, that's part of my coaching is to teach people. how to, I know how to get out of that, that feeling quickly in any environment today. So I can put myself someplace that I'm comfortable. And that applies in, in my sales strategies as well. Because if, if I walk into Morgan Stanley and the financial district or whoever, PricewaterhouseCoopers, and I've got like, I've only talked to a couple of people on the phone and I maybe had a lunch meeting with one person who's doing the intro to the travel manager or the procurement director or whoever. I'm nervous as shit when I walk inside there. But I promise you I'm going to sit right next to the person that I've had that relationship with. And I've done plenty of research to make myself have enough confidence to start the conversation and make it all about somebody else so I can really gain my bearings and my comfort level. What are you teaching? What are you teaching the industry now for COVID? What are you what are, what's the biggest concern of everyone? I mean, obviously our, our industry is in shambles. It, There's two it, things. It's I'll a burning question. Right. And actually, there an email has probably gone out while we're on this um recording this. Is I'm announcing today for the first time ever, I'm doing a live broadcast of my infamous boot camps. Uh, my 13th boot camp since 2017 on August 31st, September 1st. Um, and we're going to broadcast it live. Just no, we're going to use a little bit different technology than what you and I, you guys and I use here um, because they can't come. And it's the recovery plan. There's two things and just kind of the, the cliff notes out of this. One is the owner's behavior has to change immediately. The mentality for us has to change. But the most important component and I see people that are being successful right now, not thriving. I don't see $5 million companies on a run rate to do three or 4 million today. I don't see $50 million companies on a run rate to do 20 or 30 million, but I see $5 million companies that are on a run rate to do a million dollars, you know, in revenue or a million five. And those are the ones to where the entrepreneur, the business owner, the operator has already changed their mindset to figure out that they have to be doing revenue driven activities every single day. And you guys are doing revenue driving activities every single day with your podcasts and this type of stuff. And they're going out and they're finding the buyers. But most importantly, Michael, the, quest, the, the biggest thing is that the buyer's behaviors have changed. There are six types of buyer behaviors that we all fa fall into. And every one of us has had some type of psychological and mental shift in how we're making purchases today, whether it's ground transportation, whether it's air travel, whether it's, you know, buying a new Yeti microphone for your podcast, whatever it is. And you've got to understand that buyer behavior. So those are two things that we're going to go over in this bootcamp, as well as creating, you know, cash flow projections, you know, how to manage your financials, things we talked about ease, uh, earlier, tied into your sales plan, your marketing plan to where I believe right now, 
every business in the hospitality industry, whether it's a ground transportation company, a hotel, we've got to be planning for probably April or May of 2021. Um, and I don't see, and, and if you saw the poll I put into limo growth a week ago, like 80% of the people are still sub 10% and like 90 or sub 25%. That's just not going to magically happen. In my opinion, that's all this is in the fall. Like we were hoping all that stuff that got pushed back to the fall, you know, the, the festivals, the com the conferences, all that type of stuff, it's probably going to be pushed back again. And we better hope that our clients had already had a plan C to secure those dates in spring or summer of 2021 or else 2021, you know, could be a little bit difficult as well. So I look at, and I, and I have mastermind groups as well to where, and I'm, I'm actually going to travel to Phoenix and you look at, so like for me, I've got a small mastermind group in the limousine industry. We're going to Phoenix in 10 days and we're going to do this recovery plan. Uh, part of it that's going to be in the bootcamp, but spend two and a half days deep dive, 12, 15 hours a day. So they're prepared. Cause if there's one thing that I've learned, if I don't have a plan, whether it's going out to meet you guys to play golf for the you know the first time in a year and a half to prepare myself, if I don't have a plan of where I'm going to take my businesses, if I don't have a plan of how I'm going to get myself healthy like Eric has done over the last few years and lose weight and get healthier, then I'm not going to be successful. So at the end of the day, I don't really care if you attend my boot camp or do anything with me, but just make sure you've got a plan and somebody that's been through this before is helping guiding you down that path, just like you guys had your parents, right? I've had mentors all along the way in every single business. I've done 26 startups, 22 of them I've had business partners that have all had more experience than me and I've sought them out. I've given them equity. I've asked them to invest, to help me invest, whether it's financially, mentally, or with their time. Success because leaves I'm clues. Make those same damn mistakes. Success leaves clues. Smart people. Been, yeah, that's Anthony so there, Robbins. There's a thing that I look at, it, I, I call it, um, you know, success tax. And those are the mistakes that we make because we're all going to make them. I do want to try to eliminate paying success, success tax if possible. And I can do that from learning from people that have already had success or have already paid that success tax, right? So I have never, I've been very fortunate. I've never gone a day without having multiple mentors of some capacity, whether they're paid, volunteer, friends, family, whatever that is, starting with my mother who helped me with my first entrepreneurial venture when I was a junior in high school selling t-shirts. Uh, that awesome. we, we grew $180,000 business just selling t-shirts at football games, you know, at five different high schools. Um, but I had her there and it goes all the way through to my mentors today uh, with Reg Booth and John Bairden and these gentlemen. And, and I just had literally a two hour conversation yesterday on the real estate side with one of them from John Bairden. And I just want to make sure that everybody has a plan. And, and I was able to grow a $30 million glow golf business coming out of 9-11. Very fortunate. And that's when I learned this plan. And that's what I implemented during the Great Recession of 8, 9, and 10 to go from 1.1 to 1.4.47 million to acquisition to 8.8 million. I don't believe I could have done either of those two businesses in those difficult times without learning this from Reginald Booth and being able to implement it, now making it my own, and then applying that. And it doesn't really matter what business it is. It's applicable to every business. And that's one thing that I think that People in our industry think they can only learn from people in our industry. You know, sure, I have a competitive advantage because I slung metal just like you guys did. But at the end of the day, business is business.
we have cogs, we have expenses, we have clients, we have depreciating assets, appreciating assets, all these things you don't need to just learn from me. Look at Gary over here, Tony over here. I've learned from both of them. Um, There's an opportunity now. There's an opportunity that comes around once in a hundred years to start from zero, literally start from zero. I mean, we, Eric and I always joked about, man, I would have loved to start my parents' company, you know, in the 1970s and everything. And be like, careful, be careful what you wish for. Yeah. Yeah. Because we're, you know, we started from zero. We had days of zero rides, you know, and to me that zero. And, and in fact, we're starting behind the eight ball because we had to take on new debt and, you know, we had to do restructuring and we had to do all that type of stuff. Um, and you know, Michael and I are fully confident that we're going to be fine. You know, I'm, I, I have no doubts that, um, business is going to come back. It may not be the way that it was, but I think that, um, it's going to be different and that's going to be fine because we're prepared because we built, you know, we're building brand. And, um, I think that's overall very important. I, I couldn't agree with anything that you said more, you know, everybody has to have a plan. Well, and I and I think something that you mentioned, Eric, you, you you've talked about, and I think you've mentioned it multiple times, is that you and Michael are building brand, mm-hmm. right? And I think a lot of small business owners are just living in the here and now, and they're thinking it's a mystery. It's, so it's a, I've got to get direct ROI immediately on that Facebook ad, that Google ad, that LinkedIn no. post, and they're not playing the long game, you know, as Gary has taught you, as Gary has taught me that we, we've got to continue to create compelling content. That's kind of the inbound marketing methodology, what Gary uses. And I believe we have to earn the right to ask somebody to buy something from us. We have to earn that right. And I, you can tie it into inbound marketing, you tie it into give to get, you can tie it into jab, 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 right hook, you know, all these things. Because if we don't give in advance, then I don't believe we're gonna earn that right, to be honest with you. And I would argue anybody that over the last five to six years, I've probably given more of my time, more of my intellectual property away for free than anybody in the history um, of this industry. And that's why I love what you guys are doing. Um, And it kind of reflects back. And I discussed this on my LabX office hours yesterday. I need to get back into my Ask Limo You show. I don't know how many episodes you guys have done how many episodes have you guys? Have I think we're. I think 70? we're. No, I think we're over. I think we're in between seventy and eighty right now. That's like, awesome. Seventy-seven, or this could be number seventy-eight. But yeah, no, and you know, we'll have guests, or it's just Michael and I talking, and the the value is is not the number of views you get, and I think that's what gets disheartening, and I think it's it's all about who looks, and if you can go and take a piece of this podcast and make a one minute clip that um that's going to go and get 4000 views on linkedin or 2000 views on on facebook or or whatever and that one person that you are going to need to click like and then you reach out to them and say hey thanks for liking this by the way are there any opportunities do you know do you know do you know how many times that has happened in the past 2 years we started doing this right it's 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 mind boggling how valuable we haven't made a dime off this podcast, but it has made us millions. And you're, that's, you're, you're doing that's it indirectly point. because you're yep. creating valuable content for your customer base. And yep. and most importantly, we're not selling anything. Correct. Those limo those limo operators on LinkedIn who are going, use me, use me. I just saw one guy today who's like, we're ready. We're ready to take your work. Who is going to buy from that person? You, It's like Crazy Eddie. You remember Crazy Eddie? Absolutely. That might have been. A, you're insane. Like, yep. you know, like. 
it, it's this whole thing of selling, selling, selling. You don't have to be selling. You have to tell your freaking story. That's what this is about. It's about you. People buy Pull, you. People buy people, you. They don't buy your that's service. Tommy, that's Tommy boy. I, I, I believe 100% that building your, your personal brand is more important than your company brand, uh, specifically yes. in our industry yes. because of the fact that, I mean, if, we, if, if the three of us are walking in Brooklyn to go to dinner at Peter Luger's or down Madison Avenue and we say, hey, name name your top three limousine companies that you know of and we just pick up random Joe on the street. What's the likelihood of them saying BLS? You know, very unlikely. It's probably, oh, Uber, Lyft. You know, you're going to get those. And because they've invested into building brand, right? So I think that, and I think that's something that kind of talking about that you guys will be here and that things are changing. And Michael, you mentioned the opportunity. I believe there's a huge opportunity, specifically in our industry, similarly to where, as I see it in like the trade industries as well, is the majority of operators aren't doing anything. They're doing what you said on LinkedIn. Hey, we're ready. Send us your business, right? But they're not actually taking action to go attract that business to create value, whether it's doing offline sales, whether it's creating valuable free content, you know, to target to their customer base. And I have to imagine for you two, it's a very educated decision of why you're distributing this on LinkedIn versus other channels, right? Yes, yeah, 100%. I mean it's 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 I mean why is it because I can reach people based on their job title and where they work. I can't necessarily do that on Facebook. Now I have been um doing more on Facebook and more on Instagram because I'm realizing now the more value I've had I had an epiphany that I'm like I don't know how to reach the people there and I was having a conversation with somebody who is very deep into marketing and he's like everybody is on there just post. And I'm yeah. like fuck. <laughs> I'm, yeah, like, I want I'm to, like, I'm like, why, like, why, what? Go ahead, Mike. Yeah. I just wanted to mention you were talking about, I just want to jump back real quick. You mentioned about a plan. You know, I wrote a book called Just Ask the Universe. It's still in the top 100 most read books on Amazon uh, in spiritual. And it has helped people get job they the business they want, the wife they want, the girl they want, the college they want, whatever they want. And that's that book I have been reading. It's it, that's. You know, I learned that from the science of getting rich. People need a plan. They don't know what they want, right. and people have to get clear what they want. If you were, if I was going to send you a text message, say, "Hey, Bill, I'll meet you over at Mutton Town Golf Course, um, you know, at six p.m. tonight." That's a clear, concise message, right? But I was going to go, blah 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 blah, Mutton Town, blah 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 blah, sometime later, blah blah blah. Yeah, I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. A lot of people don't understand that. They don't have it written down a clear, concise plan. There's a book by Florence Scovel Shin. Uh, oh, that was, that was the game of life and how to play it. But there was another book called Write It Down, Make It Happen. The power of writing down your goals and, and acting on your goals is what my book, Just Ask the Universe, is all about. And people in today, you know, I had a friend call me last month going, oh, where's your universe now? I'm like, it's still here, man. It's still here. A setback is all it is. It's just a setback. Right. It's, you know, it's one used, bad day doesn't, yeah. one bad day doesn't mean you have a bad life. Three bad months doesn't mean you have a bad existence. It means you had a few bad days. I agree. But you have to, you have to go and you got to persist. That's what we're here for. Is, you know, is I've to- talked about this publicly, Michael, <clears throat> I mean, for myself, and I'm sure that most people, most entrepreneurs like us have gone through this phase of shock and awe in late February, early March to yeah. depression. We, we were, we were opening in London. 
Right. We were, we were opening BLS of London. At we the bought, end of March. At the end of wow. March. We, we bought the cars. We we incorporated. We applied for the license. We had the office space. We started hiring people. And then it's like, well, the news is like, well, there's coronavirus. No one's doing anything. And we, we actually had to shelve it. So it's still in the plan. It's still in the pipeline. But okay, so it was pushed back a year. We told all of our clients. They're like, great. We can't wait. Right. Talk I, about, you know. I thought I had a bad Sorry. opening in Little Rock, Arkansas with my second location in December of eight. <laughs> uh, nothing compared to that, I'm sure. You know, well, so- listen, it's 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 on our list. It's on, but that's the ju- that's just ask the universe. It's on right. our goal list. Have you written a book? Have you written a book, Bill? I have. I have not written a full book. I'm actually in. What are you waiting Bill? for now? That's, that's got to have- be part of your strategy and brand. Yeah, I, Bill. Uh, essential. Oh, I've got one right here. Hold on. Bill, yeah. So I'm writing a full book is I've created the Bill Faith Success Planner. Planner. To your point, Michael, about writing everything down, it starts with your life goals and you yes. hide in business. And then yeah. you still everything down from what could be a 15-year plan all the way down to every single day. That's Tony and Robbins, man. Routine and then your business kickoff routine and how you shut down and tie back into your family. So one thing that I'm a little bit different on is I don't believe that there's separate separation of church and state. I don't believe there's separation of your business life and your personal life. You have to 100%. figure out how they can coexist. Hundred percent. On, and on that's both Tony. That, that's Tony Robbins. That was on day fourteen, and that's in my book, Just Ask the Universe, where I wrote down in 2002. I was miserable. I came off a bad relationship. You know, I was, I was, do I, what do I want to do with my life? And, and I did the Tony Robbins program. And on day 14, he said, all right, we're going to write down all your goals now. And I wrote down, you know, uh, close goals, one year goals, five year goals, 10 year goals. And I looked at my list like three years later and I, and I accomplished everything. 99.9% on that list. Right. And some were, true. Some, were, some were so outlandish. I wanted to fly private in the worst way. I thought that was the pinnacle of being successful and rich and, and feeling good about yourself was to fly private. And it turns out I looked at my book three years later and I was flying private already a year by then. I'm like, right. Jesus Christ. And when I wrote that down, I was like, this is never, ever, ever going to, maybe when I'm 50. We're never going to be on a G4. We're never, we're flying G4s every three weeks. And like, (laughs) I didn't even know it was happening, but that's, but that, and that's the universe. I don't, I don't know how spiritual you are. I don't know what your faith is. No pun intended. I don't know what your faith is, (laughs) (laughs) But, but I believe, listen, religion, put all religion aside. The universe is in everyone. Everyone has a subconscious mind and what you program your subconscious mind. I, I you will, you will. You will manifest in your life. If you program it lack and misery, that will manifest in your life. If you program it success and good fortune and good luck and synchronicity and flow, guaranteed, it's all going to come true. I think a lot of this and what you said is in sync. And this, and you can, Eric, I'm sure you had something a little bit smaller than this called a yardage book when you were caddying. Sure. Um, So as a golf professional, this was my Bible, meaning a yardage book. And everything that you said is about positivity. And if you guys play golf, I believe that's really my competitive advantage. One, I didn't have a father growing up that kind of instilled my whole personality, my drive, my um, sure. you know, self-action. Uh, but tying that into becoming a golfer and a successful one and learning how I have to map out and have a plan to attack a golf course and focus on my strengths and not my weaknesses. And most importantly, 
when I was 19, I worked with a gentleman named Dr. Bob Rotella, who was the foremost sports psychologist in all of sports at that time, but focused on golf. And the power of positive visualization, I believe where I'm honed in on the O on Ocon, on the banner behind the 17th green, and not just the green or there's water right. Most people are looking at the water and trying to avoid it. Well, I'm honed laser focused on that O and I'm visualizing my swing. I'm visualizing my action. 100%. I see the ball flying through here and I see it going in the fucking hole three times before I execute. I've got to write something down five to seven times in this before I distill down to the daily level. And it all starts with your life plan. So I'll share some, I've shared it maybe once or twice publicly. My wife and I have a freaking contract and I'm not talking about a prenup. We've been married for 23 years and we we're bankrupt when we got married. So we didn't have anything, but we have a life contract that distills what our responsibilities are every single day to our family. Sure. And we didn't have that until we had that conversation right above us here. And I had to recommit myself away from growing businesses and back into my family. And now, and I, I catch a lot of shit because this afternoon at noon, we're recording this on a Friday. It's Faith Friday that my social media manager created for my personal brand. But at noon, man, you guys call me, text me. I got to get approval from my wife. We could go ballroom dancing. We're going to do whatever she wants to do. It's That's her awesome. deal. That's and awesome. I don't work on Friday afternoons. I don't care how much money. I don't care how big the client is. It's that commitment, but that's tied into that contract and that plan that we keep talking about. There's different levels, I believe, of planning, but also what does success mean? Like you said, flying G4s for me, it's $15 million in liquidity when I'm 65. It's having five homes generating $250,000 in free cash Write it down. to Write where it. I can retire. And that's Write. all written in my book and in the contract. And I'm, not, it, I mean, I'm not trying to push this because it's not for sale, just FYI. No. Um, but I agree with you a thousand percent. And I think that's where we all fail. And I think that's what people in our industry 100%. need right now 100%. is they've got to have that plan to achieve success and to program their minds for it. Because just saying, 100%. I want, I want $15 million in liquidity does nothing in, in my book. Just ask the universe. I, you know what? If you send me your address, I'll, I'll send you a copy of it. I'll you trade you. I'll send you my success planner. Done. And you send me your book. Done. By the way, does your jerseys after a basketball game, by the way, does your wife make you wear that stormtrooper helmet on Friday afternoons? Um, that's her helmet. Actually. That's her I mean, helmet. You, you guys can probably see the wide view. I've got, can you see the X-Wing? Are you guys Star Wars fans? Where I got I got I got the newer version. My kids bought me uh Baby Yoda. We're, we're so big man we Star Wars fanatics in this household, no question. Huge, huge Star Wars fans. And like Star it's Wars. So is rare, you know, like Michael and I, we you know, we don't run to many people like you, Bill. And it's it's hard to find positivity in the world, and it's hard to find people that are motivated, and it's hard just to find people that are on the same page as far as how to obtain success. And I just want to go back, you know, after flying private, no, that, 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 that your, your, your aim for success constantly changes. hundred percent. And, yes. and, and, and while that was so far away when we wrote it down, cause I, I did, I did the same thing. Um, it just, it just continually changes and, um, it's, it's a never ending, it's a never ending process. And I think more importantly, if you think that you are going to feel better once you hit the milestone, you're wrong. You have to enjoy the process of trying to get there because once you get there, it never ends. 
it's only going to end when when you're six feet under. I agree. I agree. A hundred percent. Hundred percent. We're at the one hour mark, and like I could probably, we could probably go for. We another, can keep like, going. Two, keep three going. hours. You okay with that? All right, that's fine. As no, long as you know, I, mean, I got, I got till noon. I got two more hours. <laughs> All right, good. Just tell so me about the Oaken. Tell us about BillFaith.com. What do you? What is? Because I know you mentioned that you were doing stuff more into travel and um, travel related things. So, like, what is BillFaith.com doing? BillFaith.com. I mean, it's very similar to Limo University. There's a membership program, there's coaching, there's masterminds, there's courses, um, there's different tiers. Uh, but it's it's just, it's not Limo specific. So it's, it's the thing that I'm trying to communicate. I don't care if you're a plumber, if you own a restaurant, if you sell more motorcycles, you're into real estate, there's business principles for us as an entrepreneur. And it starts all with us right here, right? As we talk about our mindset is understanding that there's a difference between being a leader and a manager. So it's really, it's it's similar. It's it's not the same content, Eric, but it's not specific. It's not niche down for the limousine industry. And it goes into much more in-depth things that I believe I can have conversations with and teach. Um, like buyer behaviors is an example. I, a lot of people think that I'm cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs when I talk about psychology and you know behaviors and all this type of stuff in our industry. Or there's other industries that get it a little bit more. So it's, I believe that and one of the things that's difficult for me, I don't, I'm not the guy that teaches what I want to teach. I don't have a bona fide system that I believe everybody should compartmentalize into. What I do is I crowdsource from my community. And what my community wants, I'm going to deliver. And if, if I can't deliver that, and there's a lot of stuff that I'm not good at, then I get the expert in the industry and I bring them in to be able to give access to my community that they normally wouldn't have access to. Mm -hmm. um, you know, That's one of the reasons I created my first conference, my lab live event that I did in 18 and 19. Um, as I brought in people like the general manager of a five star five diamond hotel that out of the 200 attendees, probably only five or 10 of them would ever one, not be afraid to have a conversation with her and two, to get access to her, right? And that's just, and then I brought in my sales training coach, John Boyens, who taught my me and my entire team at Grand Avenue how to sell. Right. Um, and that's, you know, kind of based on that whole, you know, inbound marketing methodology. So it's basically education um, to the nth degree. It's deeper than it is in the limousine industry, and it's not niche specific. There's a there's one niche that I am going into though, and, I, and I'm penetrating that now, and it's a short-term rental uh, market uh, because I've had tremendous success in it. And just like in our industry, there's a lot of mom and pops that jump in and they see all the stuff about Airbnb, and they don't know what they're doing when they jump in. Um, they're they're like leasing apartments in Manhattan, you know, at four thousand dollars a month, and now they they don't understand regulations, and there's thirty day minimums and they're just making bad decisions. So I want to help educate them um, as well. But the same premise is the same. It's create free, valuable content and then let the person decide if they want to join a program or if they want to buy. You know, there is something for sale on the back end. Part of this, and this just launched on May 1st. This is my pivot. So it was in March that I gave 100% of everybody in the limousine industry the opportunity to defer for 90 days. Well, we're going on month number five and, and I think in August, and we're not planning on rolling anything out of any type of uh, charges until September. And if things stay the way they are, we'll probably push back even again 
Um, and we're still delivering all the services that we've always delivered. We haven't cut anything back because of that. Could call it idiocy, could call it passion. I don't know that, that passion to want to continue to serve this industry that needs serving. Right. And I think you kind of, you asked early on of why I do what I do. I think I have a, a problem of trying to help people that really need help. I, I, I have a passion for helping people that I can identify that need help. And I have a problem for trying to fix people that don't want to be fixed. And hence I get burned quite a bit. And I just got burned in Alabama and in some real estate that I did down there and some flipping and renovating by a contractor that I wanted to try to help. And, you know, he just, he burned me. Um, and it's happened multiple times and probably because of my trusting personality and because of that passion to want to help. Well, I see too many people trying to thinking that short-term rentals is an easy business to get into and to be able to cash flow immediately. And most of them are doing like rental arbitrage. It's just like getting into this business. And, you know, a guy goes in who was a driver for you guys or Commonwealth or, you know, Empire, whoever. Oh, I can do it better than Addison Lee. I'm going to go start my own company. And they don't have a business plan. They don't understand. They're, they're not on TLC plates. They just, that you, you cut corners and we think that it's easier than it is. Ultimately, that's my goal to get to those people before they make those bad decisions. But ultimately, that's why I don't make much money because those people don't really want to be helped, to be honest with you. Right, right. People that don't want help uh, generally don't want to ask people for help. And exactly. Then you, then you impose your will on them and they resent you even more. 100%. So, you know, if people come to us and ask us for advice, we will, we will, we are an open playbook. We will tell everyone what's worked for us. And I got to tell you, your, your story is incredible. Um, I implore you. I'm not imposing my will. I implore you. Write a book and start a podcast. You have a lot to say. You well, have a lot. Has, he, you have a podcast, but I think you need to start. I don't know if you have it already, but you should start a Bill Faith podcast. I do not have a Bill Faith podcast yet. You should start a Bill Faith podcast. Limo University. It, you, no, you, just it's just Bill Faith. The Bill Faith podcast, right? Or, or you know, or keeping up with the Faith podcast. You know, just like something like that. I think would okay. be keeping the Faith podcast, and I think that. Um, for, for what worked for us is, and especially the people that you want to go after, they're all on LinkedIn. Yep. Yeah. And you are know. you guys doing any LinkedIn advertising? Uh, no. No. Nope. So. Nope. All have organic. I, I have. I have. Um, did really did a very did a very little bit of it. Um, uh, <laughs> while business was good, obviously right now we're we're not spending, so we're doing all organic. Um. I know that it takes a lot of time and I was in the process of hiring somebody that was going to create a, a ton of ads of saying, hey, Nashville, hey, London, hey, this, hey, that, and then do the ads specifically to those travel managers in those markets. Um, but I know I could do it, but right now I just don't necessarily have the time. Um, so that is on the, that's on the docket. Why? I, I LinkedIn is kind of this, I don't want to say it's a secret platform, but there's most people in our industry don't understand how the ads work. They're easier than Facebook. Yep. They come with built-in recipes to target event coordinators, travel yep. managers, yada, yada, yada. You can do it by company. You can do it by size. You can do it by tenure. You can own in exactly what you want. So I, I probably wouldn't be spending any advertising, but I would probably put a few dollars to promote this to those buyers that you may not reach mm -hmm. uh, organically. The only thing that seems for like the really small operators, there's a $10 a day minimum um, on LinkedIn, but I don't think you would spend it to be honest with you. You could probably put a $10 a day minimum budget on advertising and still get away with four or $5. Um, in this current climate, 
but I think LinkedIn is the number one tool that uh, the hospitality industry does not leverage from an advertising standpoint 100%. Uh, very well, especially our industry and the limousine industry because they default to Google ads. Um, and once again, they just want to make the phone ring and then they suck at sales when, you know, they the pick whole, phone our phone. whole strategy is Michael and I, we connect with people we want to connect with. Right. And it, events, travel, hospitality. Um, you know, I've recently just been connecting with CEOs, connect, 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 and you can max out at 60 a day, connect, connect, yep. connect, connect. So, you know, when you're sitting on the toilet, connect, 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 connect. And then you just create content and they see it. They may not like it. You may not know they're seeing it, but they see it because everybody is online and Correct. eventually you wear them down and eventually, um, the right person is going to say, you know what? Fine. I see these people, Michael, how did that happen with that hotel in Vegas? You know what I mean? Where Michael was trying to get, Michael was trying to get an account and he was, um, 20 years, 20 yeah. years trying to get this account. And, uh, I got my in, right. I got my in, I was, the, the current vendor wasn't doing the right thing and we had an opportunity and, um, I reached out to the person and I didn't even say hi to him on the phone. Like I just said, um, you know, I said his name, this is Michael with BLS. And he said, man, I see you and your brother on LinkedIn every single day. Yeah. He goes, I know your story. I know your dad passed away. I know you've been in Ve Ve Vegas for 20 years. I know everything about you. And I don't have to say anything. He's like, the door is yours. The place is yours. He's like, I'll see you here on Friday. And that, that and was, that's it. the, that's the value of having this podcast. Absolutely. And, and we're not knowing, we're not saying BLS is the best, even though it is, but we're not saying BLS is the best use us. We don't do that. We're not told the BLS is the, the BLS logo isn't even on here. It's the Oaken bros. We're selling. I look awesome. at it. I look at it as education and the way that I'm framing it when I post things online, I think we have a responsibility to educate corporations and travel managers on how we can provide a safe option for them to travel. And when we started having conversations with clients on the phone, we realized they didn't know that chauffeured car could be so safe. Right. And because of the amount of control that we have over our fleets and the minute that started working, that's what we push. And um, in roundabout ways where we post content and we're in sync with our sales team, everybody that they're connecting with, we connect with, we post content and then they go around and they say, hey, do you want to have time for a conversation? Then they have an intro call and then they introduce Michael and I to them. And then it's just this whole thing. And then, you know, like there's a certain thing where like, you know, at the, at the chauffeur driven show, like I didn't come and say hi to you and I'll tell you why. I was intimidated because like you were kind of famous and like I'm talking to you, Bill. You were like, you were kind of famous. No, just because he didn't react. I thought he would like smile over that. But, um, you know, you were like kind of famous and it was like kind of intimidating to come up to you. And I feel that once you start posting content online and you create a podcast, I had that experience at the limo show where I couldn't walk two feet without someone saying, oh my God, I love your limo show. They were taking selfies with me. I mean, I it was, it was short of asking for an autograph and that when you create your own platform, you create, uh, people want to meet you. Agreed. And, and that's it. So. I agree 100%. Have you signed an autograph yet? No. Have you? I, I, I've signed about three or four in the limousine industry. Amazing. It's, the, it's a very weird feeling, to be honest with you. It's it's kind of uncomfortable. And I'm not saying that to like, I'll sign it all day, but it's just, right. it's, it's, I don't feel famous. My, I don't feel my, my books, 
my books I I've signed I sign I'm a I'm a writer I write novels this is actually like because of Star Wars Monsterland is one of my books nice and yeah no it's it's about a theme park with monsters real monsters that's awesome and, uh, it's like Disney World with monsters and and we own Monsterland.com I know yeah I know, yeah, I know Bill would appreciate that I love yeah. that. Yeah. And you know, I just, I sign autographs. I, but like, I've been dreaming of signing autographs since I'm five years old. Right. And I, you know, my, my writing career is on the precipice of some big things. I'm really excited for it, but it all stemmed from making goals and programming my subconscious right. mind and working my fucking ass off to get to those goals to, to have, to have everything sent to you on a silver platter. It's not going to work. Right. So is, is, is the one hour mark, is it okay to drop F bombs after we've been on for an hour? As long as your wife is okay with it, okay, we're all right with it. it too. Yeah. Got it. <laughs> no, really, really and truly, like, you know, I, I try to keep it PG-13, but there are just times where, like, I get so passionate about it. I love your passion. Eric, Bill, where can people find you? Like, how can people sign up on Limo University? How can they contact you? Like, tell – because we have a lot of Limo guys that follow us. Right. Where can people sign up with you or contact you, email, sell, whatever you want to give out to the world? I give, I give everything out. Uh, limogrowth.com uh, is the website, limogrowth.com. Uh, my Facebook page, Bill Faith, um, billfaith.com. Those are really the, the three entities. You can email me, bill at, bill, uh, bill at limogrowth.com or bill at billfaith.com. Just try to keep it really simple uh, to be able to do it. I think that one, one of the things that um, if somebody is interested, you can PM me on Facebook. Um, I reply to everything as long as I'm not doing something like this. Um, and I'll help you out for, for free. And look, I, I, I walk the walk to where I believe, and I probably spend four to five hours a day with limousine operators trying to help them. What happens, it's very similar, like Eric and you get, and you get Michael, you guys doing this. And, you know, then the hotel in Vegas experience, right? He's ready to buy from you because he knows who you are. He knows that you're going to take care of him. He knows your story. He knows that your your goals, your culture, that's your one, everything's that, in alignment with them. That's one example. Exactly. We, we have we have literally literally have gotten, examples of that. Literally have gotten a two million dollar account from LinkedIn. Yeah. Well, that's my awful. favorite was we went into some, we went to New York City. Eric and I went into New York City. And we walked into an office. Hey, hold on, Eric, hold on a second here. Save some of that shit because we got to record for my podcast next week. Remember? Set it up. Let's go. <laughs> set it up. Listen, I, you know, I, like, subscribe, leave comments down below. Bill, you have a platform here anytime you want to come on. That was just wonderful, and we were grateful that you came on. Um, please enjoy your afternoon with your wife. Give her that stormtrooper helmet. You, I'm assuming you wear the Darth Vader helmet. She's right? actually Darth Vader. I'm the Stormtrooper. I believe. So it. she actually dresses. Well, we have family Halloween as Star Wars, right? She's Darth Vader. Um, I actually dresses me up as Obi Wan Kenobi because we can't find costumes big enough for me at like six six two sixty. We got to make our homemade stuff. Love it. Love, Love it. it. Yeah, we're we're big. We're huge, huge, massive Star Wars fans, and it's uh, it's uh, Star Wars uh, is a story for everyone on planet Earth. It's it's the hero's journey we're, for we're everyone. Big, yeah, we're big into hundred percent hero's journey, and you know the story of hope and. You know, I, I love that. And I think that's hopefully I, I, I've watched probably seven to 10 of your guys's podcasts. And I hope that thank you. They're getting that message from you guys. And what you just shared, Eric, I mean, I want to go in depth with that. If, you, if you're willing to share not how, exactly how you did or who it was, but just to share those stories for me, like in the No Operator Left Behind podcast that I do for the NLA, because I think there's so much doom and gloom out there. And so many people think there is no light at the end of the tunnel. There is. And if you remember in the last Star Wars, they don't think that everybody in the galaxy is going to show up. 
And right. that's the inspiration for, for them of what you guys are achieving, that if you're going after the clients and doing it the right way, but you're actually doing stuff to focus on revenue generating activities every single day, you can still grow your business during 100%. these times. 100%. Absolutely. Bill, that, Bill, that was amazing. Thank We're you. We're going to have a part two on your podcast. You and, guys are awesome. Um, I look forward I'm, to having you on ours. I'm going to do the sign off now and uh, hang out for a second, Bill. Thanks, everybody.